0: Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick or The Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, we're going to be going over my week number eight running back start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. We're going to be going in depth into every single matchup from Thursday Night Football all the way until Monday Night Football. There are no teams on by this week, so we got a full 16 game slate for you guys talking about every single running back. But before we get into things, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you do end up enjoying, today's video, you please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below. And while you're down there, whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure that you do leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. So without further ado, let's get into my week number eight running back start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. We begin with Thursday night football. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the No One Circles the Wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in a bit of a lull offensively, and the Buffalo Bills just look atrocious both offensively and defensively. They just lost to the Patriots. They probably should have lost to the Giants, and they also lost to the Jaguars. So, that's three fat L's in a row for the Buffalo Bills. This has to be a get-right game for the Bills. Now, for them, it probably sucks that it's a short week against the Buccaneers, but they need to figure something out. Now, despite the fact that the Buffalo Bills offense was almost anemic against the Patriots until closer to the end of the game, James Cook was still a top 10 running back last week against the Patriots. I am pretty worried about the Bills offense and their team as a whole, but even with that said... If the Bills shit the bed here against the Buccaneers, I still think Cook will be start-worthy enough. I think i will have a good enough game, and he still provides a significant amount of upside because, like I said, the Patriots were dogging the Bills pretty much all game long, and James Cook was still able to have a feast. So up against a Buccaneers defense that's pretty so-so, I definitely think James Cook should still be able to have a solid game with very high upside. For Rashad White, I say this, Week in and week out. It's that against bad defenses, Rashad White is going to flourish, but against good defenses, he's gonna be struggling. Last week, he finishes top 14 against a pretty AF Falcons defense. The Bills defense is certainly bad against the run. They are very banged up. So I expect Rashad White to have yet another solid game. Probably won't finish inside the top 12, but I think he's a pretty safe bet to be a top 18 running back. Keyshawn Vaughn, the other running backs for the Bucks, they just see so few touches weekly that none of them are even in my consideration to start. Latavius Murray is a guy that if you are in an uber deep league, you can definitely consider starting Latavius Murray, especially without Damian Harris. Any given game, we could see Latavius Murray hop into the end zone, but with how few touches he will see, it is definitely hard to rely on him when there are zero teams on by this week, right? If we're in a bye-mageddon like last week, sure, you can talk yourself into Latavius Murray, but this week with zero teams on by, I think Latavius Murray is a clear sit. Now we move to the Sunday slate, beginning with the Los Angeles Rams at the Dallas Cowboys. Now the Dallas Cowboys are coming off of a bye. Prior to the bye, Tony Pollard played just about all right up against the LA Chargers. He finished as a top 12 back, but didn't carry the rock very well. And the reason why he did finish inside the top 12 was because of that long reception that he made where it looked like he was going to score a touchdown, where it feels like Tony Pollard a year ago would have scored that touchdown, but he kind of lost his juice as he was getting closer and closer to the end zone. Like he completely ran out of fucking gas. The shit hit E and E doesn't stand for extra fuel. So Tony Pollard still had a good game though. I'm not apologizing for him being a top 12 backer. I'm not trying to shit on him for it, but this Cowboys offense to me is still somewhat of a concern but at the end of the day I am still very confident in Tony Pollard week in and week out and I expect coming out of the bye the Cowboys to look good against this Rams defense Rico Dowdle is the backup for Pollard we really only see him if Tony Pollard is straight up exhausted or if the game's out of hand and they're just shellacking a team then we see Rico Dowdle for the Rams Darrell Henderson is a start. I feel pretty confident in Henderson this week. Now, the matchup, of course, on paper isn't a wet dream. This isn't the most ideal matchup, but Henderson ran incredibly hard last week against the Steelers and found his way into the end zone unless Kyron Williams is back, which he's not going to be. So until further notice when Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers show back up, this is going to be a one-two punch of Henderson and Rolls-Royce Freeman. Remember, guys, Henderson was signed off the fucking street last week. He wasn't just chilling on this team. No, he was signed off of the street and he outsnapped Freeman. I think the gap may be even larger this week in comparison of snaps from Henderson to Royce Freeman. I've seen some comments about how Darrell Henderson's back on the practice squad. Well, guess what's going to happen on Sunday? He's going to get called up again. There's no way they saw what happened on Sunday. and are just like, oh, let's sit Darrell Henderson down. That would make absolutely zero sense due to the matchup against the Cowboys. I'm not here to tell you that Darrell Henderson's a must-start running back, but in a lot of scenarios, he's going to go in your lineup. Rolls-Royce Freeman definitely looked better than I thought he would last week, but like I said, I really do think Darrell Henderson is the guy. Freeman will get enough touches to potentially score but again up against the Cowboys defense I think he's best left on your bench next we move to the cold like Minnesota Vikings at the Green Bay Packers now the Vikings were on life alert they've fallen and they can't get up and then they resuscitated up against the San Francisco 49ers last night what a win for Kirk the Kirk Thuggins, Kirko Chains, Justin Jefferson put a chain on him that says top 10, meaning that he's a top 10 quarterback, which to be honest with you, with how a lot of the quarterbacks are played in the NFL, isn't that crazy of a thought at this point. Now with the Vikings running backs, things are getting real confusing. The waters are getting heavily muddied. Madison got dinged up earlier on in the game. So then the team started to roll with Akers more. Now, it's not like Madison was so severely hurt that he couldn't play in the game, but it seemed like at that point they kind of pivoted more towards Akers neither of them to me looked that impressive so it just feels like to me you should be sitting both Madison and Akers right now to kind of just see how the shit goes this week against the Packers right just kind of see how the rotation goes I think if Madison's healthier then they're just going to roll with Madison again because to me Cam Akers wasn't looking that impressive to me where he was going to just overtake Madison but it might have been enough to where this is going to be a certified committee of death for both Madison and Cam Akers. Now, I was pretty high on Aaron Jones last week, and the reports started coming out about how Aaron Jones was gonna be still kind of on a snap count, and I was like, there is no way that's true. There is no way. They're coming out the bye. Aaron Jones is gonna be just fine. And I should have listened to the report because that is exactly what happened. Dylan outtouched Aaron Jones last week, but I feel like this is the game for Aaron Jones. Now, Aaron Jones still had a decent enough game. So if you started him, he wasn't the reason you lost, right? There were a lot of bad games in the NFL, a lot of bad players for fantasy football last week. So most likely Aaron Jones wasn't the single reason why your team got bent over a table potentially last week. But again, since it wasn't a great game, it was really nothing to write home about. I feel like this is the game where we will see more touches for Jones. I, for one, am very confident in him this week. McCaffrey looked really good against this Vikings defense. And I don't think this Vikings defense is really all that good. I think it's just more the fact that Big Cock Brock Purdy or Micro Cock Brock, which is what we're gonna have to call him now, is in a bit of a mental pretzel. AJ Dillon last week, hallelujah, was one of the two games this season where he looked good at all. But again, I feel like his touches are going to be severely reduced this week for Mr. A.A. Ron Jones. So the only running back I like in this game that I'm confident starting is A.A. Ron Jones. Next up, we got the Atlanta Falcons at the Tennessee Titans. The battle of two teams that I have no idea what to think about. The Falcons, some weeks, look amazing offensively. Other weeks, they look like they can't get it up. They're in need of a Viagra. I think I'm more confident that the Titans are bad, but at the same time, this is a home game for the Titans, and... With their head coach that they have, Vrabel, it really seems like the Titans are never out of a game. Now, with that said, Derrick Henry, prior to the bye week, was on fire against the Ravens as a top five back. This is a fine matchup for Derrick Henry, but what I am worried about here with Henry is the quarterback situation. I don't think Tannehill is going to end up playing based upon everything that I've read, so that will be either Will Levis, Mayo Man, or Malik Willis like either way, that's got to be at least somewhat of a reduction for Derrick Henry if the offense isn't able to move the ball as effectively. And we all know what is going to happen if they get down and get down bad because the Falcons at times turn on like a light switch and light the fucking defense on fire with Desmond Ritter and Bijan Robinson and friends, right? They can have great games, great halves. And if the Titans get down bad, if this game goes belly up, and the Falcons are dominating, then Tajay Spears is going to see more work Again, I don't think the Falcons are going to smack the ever living shit out of the Titans, but not having Tannehill is at least somewhat of a worry for me for Derrick Henry. Now, I know there's a lot of people, Nick, what do we do with Bijan Robinson? Nick, Bijan Robinson fucked me last week. Nick, this, that, the other thing. I'm so mad about Bijan. Now, I, for one, was incredibly frustrated watching that game, especially when at halftime they come out and say, oh, he had a headache this morning, so we're not really going to use him. Pop some fucking Advil, pal, and get in the game. Now I get it's more serious than that, right? But why is that not disclosed to us prior to the game? Why were we not told that? And then Adam Schefter tweets about it yesterday. And I respond back, Arthur Smith should be publicly pelted with tomatoes. I say that on Twitter, and guess what happens? Twitter puts me in Twitter jail again. Those bastards. I'll be free again later today, so it's okay. But that's super frustrating for Arthur Smith to not disclose that. Bijan was sick last week, so I'll give him a pass. Right? His one carry for three yards. It was almost like at the end of the game, they were trying to fuck with us, right? They gave him a carry at the end. Like, hey, here's your .3 points, cocksucker, is basically what they told us. But to me... This Titans defense is a little scary against the run, so I don't think Bijan's really going to have that prolific of a game this week, but, and this is a big but, shout out Mia Malkova, I don't think you can just count Bijan out in any game, assuming he gets the touches, Algier saw all of the touches last week, but... That was because Bijan was sick, so I think that shouldn't be the case this week. So I'm fine benching Algier, and again, especially because the Titans' run D is solid. So I'm starting Derrick Henry. I'm a little bit nervous about him. I'm starting Bijan. I also feel a bit, l- bit nervous about Bijan, and hopefully if Bijan is still sick next week, or this week, against the Titans, they tell us before the game, so we don't get befuddled into starting him. Next up, we got the New Orleans Saints at the Indianapolis Colts. Now, just like Chris Olave was caught speeding, reckless driving last night, you need to speed your way to the like button. Hit that like button if you've enjoyed, and hit that subscribe button if you're new. It helps me out a ton. So, Saints versus Colts. I am sick of Derek Carr. Now, There are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that did not look great last week. So it's not just Derek Carr, right? He's not the only fella that is going to get kind of dunked on by me. But let's call a spade a spade here. Derek Henry, not Derek Henry, Derek Carr has not looked great this season. Even with that said, though, Alvin Kamara, this man, he's a start straight up dominant like Barry Sanders at Oklahoma State back in 88, baby. Four straight top 10 games. And even with the Saints' offense being pretty limp dick, Kamara is a must-start player. Any given week, this poor bastard could get 10 targets in a game. He's that good. And I was someone that was off of the Kamara train. I thought Kamara looked kind of washed last year. I worried about coming off the suspension... They're going to use Kendra Miller more, Jamal Williams, and Jamal Williams has been irrelevant. With Kamara back in town, Williams is pushed down, not just into being a sit, he's straight up irrelevant. You shouldn't even have him on your roster when Kamara's healthy. For the Colts, this is a little bit tougher of a situation, right? For the Saints, it's a no-brainer. Alvin Kamara must start every single fucking week. But for the Colts, there's a little bit more to discuss here. Jonathan Taylor is a start for me. JT and Moss saw the same amount of carries last week up against the Browns. But JT finished far better as a top eight back. I now feel very confident that JT's touches have been ramped up, that he is the guy. Now, I know last year, a lot of people hated Jonathan Taylor. The offensive line, this, that, and the other thing, there's so many things to blame, but people just still kept blaming Jonathan Taylor, right? You fucking fire your head coach, you bring in Jeff Saturday as the head coach, everyone's still like, oh, it's Jonathan Taylor's fault, right? When your quarterback, Matt Ryan, sucks donkey cock, you're still blaming Jonathan Taylor. Look, I know Zach Moss isn't going to get phased out completely. Thanos snapped out of existence by the Indianapolis Colts offense because Moss still looks good. But I, I simply just have to feel more confident in JT. I think he's a much better running back. Now, Zach Moss is a sit, but he's still going to see touches. Now, I think they're going to continue to get less and less, but not reduced enough to be completely irrelevant like Jamal Williams. But I think... They will be, enough will be taken away from him to where you don't really want to start him. And the Saints defense, I know they got plowed by Travis Etienne last week, but I don't think this is like some terrible Saints defensive unit. Next up, we got the New England Patriots at the Miami Dolphins. And boy, oh boy, I know there's going to be a lot of comments. Nick, you told us the Dolphins were going to beat the Eagles. Nick, the Dolphins suck ass. Nick, the Dolphins are frauds. Go ahead. Say whatever you want. It is what it is. The Dolphins lost. They have to go to a hostile environment in Philly. The refs absolutely bent us over a table. Tua played okay. We lose. It is what it is, right? I'm fine when we lose to great teams, right? When you lose to shitty teams like the Bills, it's frustrating, but against the Eagles, it is what it is. And again, I don't think the Bills are shit, but the Bills are... uh, they're They're more likely to be fraud, in my opinion, than the Dolphins, but... This has to be a Dolphins bounce-back game. You don't get smacked like that and then go home against a division rival, a team that Tua to tonga is 5-0 against and lose. You just can't. I get the offensive line is battered. Cotter Williams, Armstead win, all most likely out. It's going to be hard. And I know, Nick Moster shit the bed last week. But I'm not an excuse guy. I'm not going to give out every excuse in the book. If I was to give out an excuse again, it would be the other line was hurt. The Eagles' defense is good against the run. I am not going to quit on Raheem Mostert after one bad game. This motherfucker is the running back two on the season. Zero need to panic, in my opinion, against the Patriots. Now, for Jeff Wilson, he saw one whole touch against the Eagles. I expect that to be increased. I definitely do. But if they want to use Ahmed and Jeff Wilson as like the RB2 on the team interchangeably, that could easily leave Jeff Wilson as the odd man out. Now, I don't think you should start him. But there's still a chance, right? Like, it wouldn't be crazy if, like, we get to the end of the game and it's like, oh, Jeff Wilson has 20 points, right? Would anyone be surprised about that? No, but I still wouldn't be confident enough, starting him based upon what we saw against the Eagles. For the Patriots, the Dolphins' run defense looked good last week, but with Stevenson seeing six targets in back-to-back weeks being more involved in the pass-catching game... He's been doing solid work. Now, I still feel a little bit wheezy, a little, little queasy about it, a little wheezy like I'm Little Wayne throwing Stevenson into my lineup. Tucci. But at this point, I feel like he's start-worthy. Again, it might feel gross. My stomach turns when I think about starting Stevenson. I assume the Patriots offense simmers down, cools off a little. But I got to give them some credit. They look good against the Bills. Mike Kosicki hit the gritty. My boy hit the... Hit the skedaddle or skediddle or whatever the fuck they were calling it last year so shout out to my boy Gasicki beating the Patriots or not beating the Patriots beating the Bills shout out to him I got to give them at least some credit. Again, I'm still worried about Stevenson, but I would definitely start him. Ezekiel Elliott has scored two weeks in a row. Seems like he's a lock to get eight plus touches. It seems like some drives. Ramondre is just nowhere to be found. He's doing his best John Cena impression because you can't see him. And then Zeke's out there. I don't know what Bill Belichick and friends are cooking in New England. But my best guess is that he can't keep up scoring a touchdown every week. And that will make him fade out of being a guy that you'd actually want to be starting in your lineup. Next up, we move to the New York Jumbo Jets at the New York Football Giants. But before we break down this game at the running back position, as well as the rest of the week eight games, I would like to give you guys a quick word from our friends and our sponsor over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a great offer for you guys today that we're going to be talking about in just a couple of seconds. And Underdog is the best place to play NFL Pick'em in the whole entire universe, and we're going to be talking about that offer that I mentioned very, very soon. So first I'm going to explain how the underdog pick'em game works. You have to pick at least one player from two different teams. You can do all Thursday night football. You can do Thursday and Sunday night football, Thursday and Monday night football, just Sunday, just Thursday. But you got to remember that you need to have at least one player on each team and you can even do NFL and NBA together. So we are going to mix Thursday night football with some of the Sunday games. We're going to go with James Cook higher than 55 and a half rush yards. I think the Bills have a better showing and James Cook has looked pretty good this season and we are going to match that with Travis Etienne higher than 67 and a half receiving yards. Now, if both of these picks hit, we will get three times our entry fee. If we do three picks, it's six times, four picks is ten times, and five picks is 20 times your entry fee. Now, if you are new to Underdog Fantasy and live in one of these states on your screen right now, you will get a first match deposit bonus of up to $100. So if you use promo code Notorious or click on the link in the video description, if you deposit $100, they give you an additional 100, 50, additional 50, 25, additional 25. The minimum deposit on underdog is $10. If you have a gambling problem, please make sure that you call 1 800 Gambler. Back on into things here Jets at Giants, a double home game. Brees Hall has been a top four running back in back to back weeks prior to the bye week. He has looked Tremendous, outstanding after Robert Salah, Xerxes from 300, took the leash off of him from the snap count. This is a great matchup against the Giants. Now I know the Giants defense has kind of sprouted, fluttered their wings like a butterfly, you know, recently, but I still don't think the Giants defense is that good. Coming out the bye, I expect Breeze Hall to smack him in the mouth like his aim was Will Smith. For the other Jets, Dalvin Cook appears to be on the trade block. Paid him $8.5 million, but see you later, pal. So Michael Carter's listed as the backup. Now, that doesn't actually mean much for Carter because now Brees Hall is kind of off of that workload reduction. But I think it's more important to mention Michael Carter than Dalvin Cook. For the Giants, with Saquon Barkley back, he's a start. Obviously, and that means Brita, you should never even remotely consider him when Barkley's playing. Barkley was a top 10 running back last week. He got hurt in the game, and from how they were talking about the injury the commentators, you would have thought that Saquon Barkley just took a bullet to the chest, or his arm or something. You would have thought his arm shattered in half. Irreplaceable, like his whole fucking arm fell off, right? And they had to go reattach it like he was uh, Mr. Potato Head or something. But then Barkley just magically came back seconds later and he looked great. This is not the best matchup. I'm not here to tell you that, right? The the Jets coming off the bye, they they smacked up the, the Eagles. So I don't think this is a great spot for Barkley. It's far from it. But are you ever really going to sit Barkley? The answer is, fuck no, baby. Next up, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers, another team that benefited from the piss-poor referees last week, getting a phantom first down against the Rams, and they win the game. Congratulations. Matt O'Canada was celebrating going bananas in the box, but uh, it is what it is. I also go banana in the box. That was funny, wasn't it, Nick? Hilarious. Um, but back on into what's actually important here. Travis Etienne has been a top-five running back in three straight weeks, man. I was so wrong about Etienne. I thought they draft Bigsby because Bigsby is great at catching. He's great on the goal line. And Etienne struggled with catching last year. Struggled on the goal line. But with Etienne going balls deep into the defense every single week without even the common courtesy to spit on it or use any lube, he's raw-dogging these bastards. And... He looks so good. You can't start Bigsby. He only got two touches last week. He, he might get zero touches this week. That's how good ETN has looked. ETN, like I said, top five running back in three straight games. At this point, with the Jags on fire and ETN looking so sharp, I'm gonna rank him in the S tier at the running back position this week, even against the Steelers defense. I don't know what to think about the Steelers' defense. TJ Watt is an absolute animal, a bat out of hell. You just randomly see him, and the quarterback is sent to Askaban because he gets rocked by him so hard. But besides him, I mean, the defense hasn't been that explosive this year. And again, E.T.N. has been so good that even if I was to believe the Steelers' defense is pretty good, which I do, you just... There's no argument to be made against ETN. Like, again, I I shit on him kind of in the offseason. Now, I didn't shit on him enough to be like, you can't draft ETN. I wasn't as infatuated with the idea of ETN, but he's been good. And again, I'm fine accepting when I'm wrong, right? There'll be people in the comment section that'll come after me. Nick, you fucking idiot. You told me to start this guy. It's like, okay, I was wrong. You know, I'm going to be wrong. It's impossible to be right 100% of the time unless you are a woman in an argument. That was also funny. Najee Harris, you would have to actually send me to Guantanamo Bay and waterboard my ass to get me to start Najee Harris but I'll give him some credit he looked good last week even with that said I I don't trust him I don't trust him but uh he is start worthy he he did look good last week I'll give him his credit I'll give him his flowers he looked good I don't trust him but he looked good uh Jalen Warren Warren scored just like Najee did last week but even coming out the bye I'm like okay Coming out the bye, realistically, it's time to give Jalen Warren the touches. Realistically, it's time to stop dealing with this Najee Harris bastard and start giving more touches to Jalen Warren. But Matt Canada did the opposite of that. Recently, it was like, oh, before the bye, ooh. Look, Warren and Najee, they're kind of seeing equal work. And then coming out the bye, it it was like fucking Najee walked into, like, one of those old Western bars where, like, the doors start swinging back and forth. he walked in like that, ran through the wall like the goddamn Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah. I said that was more like fucking Hulk Hogan. Oh yeah, brother! You riceroni jabroni. I don't know. That that's also uh that's uh that's the rock. So that was a bad impression, but you get what I mean, right? Najee. I don't think he deserves the touches, but he's gonna keep getting them because again, Matt Canada is a stooge. Next up we move to game number nine, the FLY Eagles fly at the Washington Commanders, the Eagles and the refs versus the Commanders. Now, I know. I'm a little salty that the Dolphins lost. It hurt. It hurt me big time. I thought this Dolphins team was ready to compete, and they they looked okay. Like, again, I'm not here. Like, there's going to be so many people that will tell you that the Dolphins just got ran a train on by the Eagles. I don't think that's what happened. I, they lost. It is what it is, right? I'll blame the refs. I blame the Dolphins, too. Two threw a stupid pick. It was pass interference, but it was a pick. It is what it is. I'm not here to get all mad. Down game last week for Swift. The Dolphins defense came alive. But I am not even remotely worried. I'm not worried at all, right? Prior to last week, he was a top 12 back in three straight games. Don't panic at all. No need to even get the hammer out to fucking smash the thing on top of the button that you got to hit, right? There's no need to break glass in case of emergency. DeAndre Swift is going to be fine. Don't worry against the commanders. Kenneth Gained well, scored last week. It sucked for Swift, but... We all know he's he going to get six-ish touches a week. If he scores, he'll be fine. If not, it wasn't worth starting him, so I'm certainly not going to start him. Brian Robinson for the Commanders. I hate this spot against the Eagles. I absolutely despise the thought of playing Brian Robinson this week. But in a lot of scenarios, I would rather bench Brian Robinson. But I get that he is very unlikely, even against a tough run defense, to finish outside the top 28 so if your running back core isn't Viagra hard, rock solid, right? You're probably going to be almost entrapped in playing Brian Robinson, but in a lot of scenarios, I would rather have him on the bench. I don't think if you start him, he's going to bench over and fuck you over, right? But probably not the best spot for him, right? Uh, Gibson Gibson needs a long reception weekly. To, to be start worthy and against the eagles that feels very very unlikely next up we got the houston texans at the carolina panthers this is a gross running back game now miles sanders health is just just up in the air sanders been battling injury all season he missed the game prior to the bye against the dolphins and it feels like even if he does suit up like he's just battling every injury possible And if he plays, he'll probably be Mr. Unlimited. He'll be Mr. Limited, right? The opposite of Russell Wilson. And it just won't be enough to to be start-worthy. Now, if Sanders misses again, I'm firing up Hubbard. So if Sanders is out, Hubbard goes in. But if Sanders plays, even in a limited fashion, I think that's enough. We've seen it over the last couple of weeks when when Sanders is banged up and Hubbard's in like Hubbard looks better but they don't fully they don't acknowledge him like he's the tribal chief right they don't fully Roman Reigns they don't fully give him all the work his last game prior to the bye again against the dolphins running back 13 but if Sanders even sees limited touches it isn't worth taking the chance against a pretty middle of the road Texans run defense Damian Pierce prior to the bye man was ice cold like a nice Coors Light prior to to the bye right against the Saints he was just shit this week he, he sees a much f- more favorable matchup against the Panthers right you could suit up and run train on the Panthers I expect a bounce back based upon the matchup but something I will note is that Damian Pierce really hasn't hit his ceiling this season and I think it's made because I thought his ceiling was higher than it is Even when the Texans are kind of rolling and they look good, like Pierce's ceiling appears to be somewhere from running back 14 to 16 and not top 12 like I thought all offseason. Now, if he finishes running back 14, you're just happy that you started him. So again, I'm not trying to shit on Damian Pierce, but he hasn't lived up to my expectations, but this could be the game where he goes ballistic. But again... Still a little bit nervous about Pierce. Devin Singletary didn't look half bad last time out against the Saints, but at the end of the day, I still think Pierce is the guy, so I'm not starting Singletary. Next up, we got the Cleveland Browns at the Seattle Seahawks. The Cleveland Browns come off of a ref victory against the Colts, and the Seahawks coming off a W against the Cardinals, but that was that was definitely a, a game where if you run that back, like the, the Seahawks should have probably ran up the score when in reality it was kind of not a close game. But it wasn't, like, you knew the whole game the Seahawks were going to win. Like, it was never like, oh, my God, the Cardinals are going to upset the Seahawks. But the whole game, you're sitting there and you're watching, you're like, like, are the Seahawks even giving a fuck? Like, the fo- their foot's, like, halfway on the gas. It's on halfway on the gas, halfway on the brake. He's taking, like, a screenshot with the car. <laughs> Kenneth Walker, despite the Wet Dream matchup last week, was he had his worst game since week one. Now, I, I'm not going to shit on him, right? Because he's a top 20 back, so, so you can't be mad. But when you're expecting greatness, when you're expecting Prime, LaDainian, Thomason, and you get the Kenneth Walker that showed up on Sunday, you're not happy. Now, he rushed for over 100 yards, it just couldn't find the end zone. Like, they, they gave it to him on the goal line, nope, Give it on the goal line, nope, like he was getting stuffed like a fucking whore in the game, so I don't really, I don't, <laughs> I'm not panicking, but it did suck. I was someone who played a lot of Kenneth Walker in DFS and on underdogs, that sucks, but it is what it is. I expect a pretty average game against the Browns defense, but we saw JT get loose, foot loose last week so i i guess anything anything is possible uh for zach charbonnet he didn't play last week with the hammy if he misses again it's gonna be wiki wiki dj dallas who would also be a sit for the browns it would appear that jerome ford suffered an ankle injury it doesn't appear it actually it, he did right uh, he, my eyes they weren't lying he he suffered an ankle injury from what i have read As a gentleman and a scholar, it says that he's likely going to be out a a game or two, right? Nothing to full-on panic about, but obviously it sucks. Uh, If somehow he plays, he would be too limited, in my opinion, like that kind of injury. Like, he got to miss a week. Maybe he just tries to man up Jerome Ford F-150 and fucking play, but I don't think he will. Uh, If he misses, then, Ayo Pierre, you want to come out here? -er Pierre Strong will be behind Hunt, but I wouldn't start him. I'm starting Kareem Hunt. Without Ford, Hunt moves to must-start category. Back-to-back top 14 running back games with a decent enough matchup against Seattle. He scored three touchdowns in the last two games. And, you know, with Pierre Strong there again, Pierre Strong is some pushover but it's not like they're gonna get to the goal line and magically kareem hunts out and pierre strong scores like four touchdowns in this game right like kareem hunt's gonna get that workload so start kareem hunt don't worry about what happened last week with kenneth walker even if it was annoying because again that's a game where you run the simulations through and it's like oh the seahawks you know they're gonna have a, who knows about Geno? because Geno has been kind of hit or miss i like gino last week but like Walkers, at least he's going to be explosive Oppenheimer style. And he, he, he just wasn't. Next up, we move to a electrifying matchup, a rematch from Thursday Night Football a few weeks ago. We got the Kansas City Taylor Swift Chiefs versus the Denver Broncos in Mile High. Now, Travis Kelsey's superpower, Taylor Swift won't be there. Now, if you look at the stats, it's actually crazy. Now, again, I, I think the fact that they show Taylor Swift a million times is annoying, but this stat was pretty cool. They showed on the screen. Kelsey is amazing when, when, when Swift is there. Like, maybe if he gets over 100 yards, Swift tops him off or something. That's got to be it, because, or lets her, him stick it in her ass or something. Now, now if you're a Taylor Swift fan, don't, don't take anything that I say to be serious. It's, it's, a, it's a joke. It, I know these videos are, are informative. They help you win in fantasy football. But they're also meant to be funny, right? I try to be funny in these videos. I chuck some jokes out there. That's a joke okay? The Swift fans are crazy. That's a joke, okay? That's a joke. Don't worry about it. But like I said, dude, when Kelsey, or when Sw- Taylor Swift's there, Tay-Tay Swizzle, Kelsey, Kelsey looks amazing. And when she's not there, he still looks great, but uh, just way better when she's there. The stats tell you that. So with that said, that has nothing to do with Pacheco. Pacheco's a start. Start him every single fucking week. He started off the season slow, but th- this guy's on fire, NBA Jam style. Pacheco has had a top 14 running back game in five straight weeks. And was pretty effective against the Broncos last time out in week six. Interesting enough, that game against the Broncos was the only game in which he hasn't scored a touchdown in five weeks. Now, I wouldn't read too much into that one, right? But, you know, don't read too much of the tea leaves. But I just thought it was an interesting statistic. A Little tidbit of information for your head top here. It was the running back 14 that game. I'm not scared. If he finishes the running back 14 this week, you're still probably happy. So fire him up with supreme confidence. Jarek McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, sit him down. It feels like we are getting close to that bombastic, that huge McKinnon game because we haven't seen that since week three. And it feels like, bam, it's going to fly out of nowhere like an RKO from Randy Orton. But you can never really call it like when Pacheco's healthy, knock on wood, we don't refer injuries. You can never really be fully confident in starting McKinnon. But again, it's probably going to be coming soon like some premature ejaculation. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is in the same boat as McKinnon. One of these games, he's going to pop off, but on limited touches, you can never really start him. So Pacheco is a start. McKinnon, C-H, sits. Javante, Williams... I hope that the Broncos continue to give Williams more looks. Last week against the Packers, that look a little bit fraudulent. He saw his highest amount of carries and the second-most targets resulting in his best game on the season. Now, I won't try and sugarcoat things here and say that this is a great matchup for, for Javante because this is a tough spot. This Chiefs defense, they're winning games because their defense... It's not like Mahomes sucks ass now, right? But because the defense is so strong... I think I would start him, but I'm not clamoring for him to start as like a top 20. He could be, but I'm not like screaming to the mountaintops that you got to start him. Jaleel McLaughlin is a sit now with Javate fully ramped up. It feels like McLaughlin is kind of stuck getting like five, six, maybe seven touches on a good day. Uh, That's just not start-worthy against this new-look Chiefs defense. Next up, we move to the Baltimore Ravens at the Arizona Cardinals. People are saying the Ravens might be the best team in the AFC, the second-best team behind the Chiefs. I wouldn't really argue with that now. Let's see them do it in the playoffs, but in the regular season, this Ravens team's a fucking wagon. Uh, Gus Edwards. Edwards went nuclear last week against the Lions with over 140 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. If this matchup was against a stronger defense, I would tell you to, you know, Put the brakes on. Flip the E-brake on Gus Bus Edwards. But he's going against the Cardinals, so I gotta list him as a start. In, like, every other matchup, he's a sit. Because we we can see Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, pull the rabbit out the hat every once in a while, right? Pull a good game out their ass. But because of the matchup, I think you have to start him. Justice Hill, the team, certainly favored Gus Edwards last week, but it doesn't mean that Hill will fade into irrelevancy. The team will likely still use him, and... He's used in a decent enough way to where he could score, but I just trust Edwards a lot more, so I'm leaving... Just as hell on the bench. Imari DiMarcado is a set 9 I know, Nick, you talked about him in the waiver wire ad video. Yeah, he's close to being a start. But this backfield is very confusing. It is incredibly confusing, like trying to find the goddamn Clitoris on a woman. Gannon gave the keys to the city, the key to the backfield to DiMarcado last week. The question is, how much should we trust Gannon? Because after DiMarcado looked good against Cincy in that game where James Conner gets hurt, all the way back in week six, you know, or was it week five? One of these games, Connor gets hurt. You know what I mean? Connor gets hurt and then Dimarcado comes in and looks good, right? But then after that game in week six, so that was week five. Then in week six, they go with Ingram. So it's like, what the fuck? Like we just saw Demarcado look good, but now it's Keontae Ingram time. And Ingram looks okay. Now, again, I talked about last week how I thought that Demarcado is a better back, but Ingram's going to get the touches. And then they completely shift from Ingram, who they used in week six, to last week going full-on DeMarcado. I love the upside that he possesses. I talked about it. He has a lot of juice. He's got a lot of fun skills. But with how good the Ravens' defense is, I, I don't really want to start him. And also, I'm worried that, like, do we trust what happened last week? I hope. I hope so. If you have to start him, if your running back core is really hurt, But this Ravens' defense looked super legit, too legit to quit. And, again, I just don't trust, trust Gannon. Um, Damian Williams. He's the other running back to list because Kanta Ingram was iced out of work last week. They used used Williams, so that's why he's listed here. Next up, we move to the Cincinnati Bengals at the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I'm recording this on Monday night. Well, not really. It's like Tuesday morning. It's 1.13 a.m. because I work as hard as possible for you guys. So if you appreciate that hard work that I put in, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button down below again. It really does help me out because by the time this video is done editing... We're like 40 minutes deep right now. It's not actually 40 minutes deep when you guys are watching, but for me, we're 40 minutes and 16 seconds in. If I ever look to the left like this with my eyes, I'm looking at the screen where I'm at, but yeah, it's going to be late. It's going to be a late night. I'll probably be up to like 3 a.m. So smash that like button like it owes you some money. Bangles at 49ers. The 49ers are in... What I was trying to say <laughs> before I went off on a tangent is I haven't seen what ESPN's talking about, what first take all these companies are talking about, They better be talking about Brock Purdy's Linsanity run potentially being over. They better be talking about how the 49ers are frauds because all I heard is the Dolphins are fraudulent. The 49ers just lost to Kirk fucking Cousins on prime time. Cry me a fucking river. The 49ers are also fraudulent if that's how you want to go by things. Now, I don't think the 49ers are fraudulent. No, I think Brock Purdy will be fine think they're going to be fine. But these TV channels, they try to get all the ratings. So I hope they talk about it because otherwise it's unfair because they just dogged out my Dolphins. But again, that's just my Dolphins fan bias coming through. So McCaffrey, even when he was hurt up against the Minnesota Vikings, this guy, literally he runs like his family is held hostage. And if he doesn't score a touchdown, they're getting kept for another week. What is it now? 16? Seventeen straight games with the touchdown. You can tell me he scored thirty straight touchdowns, and I would, I would believe it. He is the safest fantasy running back I've ever seen. Just dominant every single week. It's, it's really beautiful to see. And people were still super nervous to draft him this year. I, I really don't get it. But uh, the other running backs there: Jordan Mason, Elijah Mitchell, Mason. The numbers, Mason, just wasn't involved at all. CMC is just that guy, pal. And uh, Jordan Mason, Elijah Mitchell, you're not that guy. Trust me, and that's an old joke if anyone gets that one. Joe Mixon for the Bengals. Bengals look pretty... Nick, they beat the Seahawks. To me, they look kind of pedestrian in that game prior to the bye week. I don't think the Bengals are dead by any means, right? They're not dead to make the playoffs, but they don't look elite. But if I'm being honest with you, the only team I would categorize as elite in the NFL is the Eagles, but the the, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals are kind of far away from that. And something I read today was that when you're talking, I don't say, um, a lot. I, I watch all my videos. I don't really say it a lot. But I read something that says you shouldn't, instead of, um, you just take a pause. And now it's so, I, I didn't, I shouldn't have uh, read that because I said that on purpose. Because now I'm just randomly throwing, um, into sentences that I normally wouldn't. So you guys are probably fucking pissed off. Like, Nick, you've said it like 12 times this video, you dense bastard, right? Maybe no one noticed until just now. But, uh, just said it again. What I was saying... Was that the 49ers defense is in enough of a slump and they're pretty banged up to play Mixon? But shit doesn't look great for, for Mixon here. Pretty safe bet to be a top 24, but in my opinion, I, d- I don't think he's going to finish in the top 12. Travion Williams splits touches with like seven gazillion backs on this team. He'd be lucky to see three tar- uh, three touches. He's a sit. Now we move to, cause you waited all day for Sunday night. The Chicago Bears and Tyson Bay Gent against Justin Herbert, the pervert. Bears at Chargers Sunday Night Football. What a riveting week of primetime games. We've got... The Bucks versus the Bills. We've got the Bengals at the Chargers. And to close things out, we're going to talk about it in a minute. The final, the Monday Night Football, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Detroit Lions. What a riveting NFL experience we got this week. But we got no teams on by, so I can't complain. Byes start again next week. Bears at Chargers. Eckler shit the bed twice in a row. Soiled the sheets, lemoned the sheets, but what can you say, man? What can you say? Am I going to tell you to sit fucking Austin Eckler? No. And if there was ever to be a game for him to come back, if it was ever a game for Herbert to not look like dog shit at the end of the game, it would be against the Bears. I know the Bears defense looked great against the Raiders, but that's the Raiders. And I don't know if, if Aiden O'Connell just plowed Josh McDaniel's wife or something, but I don't understand why Brian Hoyer was playing. Dante Foreman, even if Roshan returns on Sunday, it's going to be Foreman as far as I'm concerned as the starter. I made fun of Foreman in the past. He looks slow. This, that, and the other thing. But this motherfucker looked like prime Saquon Barkley against the Raiders in his war path to score over 30 points with three touchdowns. Now, the Chargers defense isn't the best, but they're not—they're going to look better. I, I think he doesn't do that against the Chargers— but to me, he's still a must-start running back for me. Like, he's not gonna score three touchdowns, but could he get two? Probably. Should get at least one. And Tyson Baguette! Tyson Baguette! Tyson, somebody you my spaghetti. That's a real old-school one. Someone definitely just cringed on that one. But, uh um, Yeah, Dante Foreman, I'm starting him. Eckler, I'm starting him. Joshua Kelly, for some reason, Kelly is only good when Eckler plays. Man, was a top 20 running back against the Chiefs with over 70 yards and a tug. Shout out to Sean Watson. But I highly doubt, even against the Bears. He'll be start-worthy this week. Roshan, he's missed last two weeks with a concussion. Sad. Realistically, he should be back this week, but Foreman's just earned that role. Even if I think Johnson looks better than Foreman, pause. I I think that uh, Johnson's not going to get the nod, and Foreman will. Next up, we move to the final game here. The Las Vegas Raiders at the Detroit Lions on Monday night. Football. Cue the Post Malone song. That's what they play prior to Monday night football, I'm pretty sure. At least they played it last night. Josh Jacobs, down bad last week against the Bears. Just down astronomical in a cupcake matchup. He got buttfucked by the Bears, but I think he's a clear bounce-back candidate. The matchup concerns me against the Lions. I know the Lions defense sucked last week, Nick, you idiot. I know, but when we're assessing things. We can't just say the Lions defense is fraud after one down game. That's fucking stupid. The matchup does concern me, though, enough to not rank him top five. And the fact that Brian Hoyer's probably going to play again, hopefully it's Jimmy G. That's scary. Uh, Jameer Gibbs was a top five running back last week against the Ravens in Baltimore. A round of applause. Hallelujah. Leave some claps in the chat. Heavily involved in receiving game. And if David Montgomery misses again, I like the upside. Now I know. There's going to be someone in the comment section. Nick, you actually uh, liked Craig Reynolds a lot last week um, whenever you made the rankings for the, the running backs on, on Thursday. Well, guess what? The rankings change. By the time we got to Sunday, I dropped him like it was hot down the rankings. Reynolds was coming into the week banged up, and I knew that I need to slow my roll, slow the hype train. I didn't talk about him a lot in the Sunday live stream. Talked him down. I was I was not all the way on the the Gibbs bandwagon, but I was kind of close to it. I, I think Gibbs is the guy for now, at least until David Montgomery returns. And if you want to pay for my rankings, there's seven dollars and fifty cents a month on Patreon. And you get all of my rankings, as well as any question that you may have, I will guaranteed answer it for you. So thank you guys so much for watching. I love you guys all so much. If you ended up enjoying today's video, hit that like button if you're new, hit that subscribe. Actually, hit that like button. Whether you're new or not, hit that subscribe button if you are new. Make sure you guys check out the defensive stream video and the waiver wire video. Later today, we got the wide receiver start or sit decisions for week number eight. I love you guys all so much. This was a bit of a longer video, but I had a great time. So I do love you guys genuinely from deep down the bottom of my heart. We're approaching 30,000 subscribers. None of that is done without you. I love you guys all. So have a great one. And as always, good boy!